Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. Today, my very special guest is coming to us from the Cayman Islands, and I am so happy to be able to introduce to you Stephanie Watler Grizel. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Surya. How are you today? Thank you for I, having me. Oh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have you here uh, because you are a wonderful body talk practitioner and wellness. Uh, practitioner and I've done some work with you and I just love what you do and so please tell everyone a little bit more about yourself. Well my name is Stephanie Watler Grizel and I am the owner of over 20 years for the Empyrean Wellness Practice and I am a certified body talk practitioner and if anyone is interested in looking at that body talk is new on the wellness scene but it's actually been around over 30 years and it was formulated by Dr. John Valtheim, originally from Australia. And he was one of those workaholics that, was, that actually moved to Sarasota, Florida to, um, to retire because it is a well-known retirement community. But at that point is when he was actually developing the, the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of body talk. And he has become even busier since then, never retired. And... Um, I credit Body Talk and the amazingness of it to, with saving my daughter's life. My daughter is now about to be 25, who wants to be a medical doctor who also practices Body Talk and, and integrative medicine and nutrition. So there she would look at the whole body. But for me, I am a Body Talk practitioner and I have developed my own protocol, which is called Empyrean. But to give you some background, I first heard about Body Talk, the bodytalksystem.com, if anyone wants to do some research. Um, back in 1999, when my daughter was about three years old, and she had a very severe anaphylactic allergy to citric acid. And it was getting more and more severe, we'd have to rush her to the emergency room. <clears throat> Excuse me, she had a an EpiPen and you know, all the things that go with having a potentially fatal allergy. And during that time, we heard about this clinic in Sarasota and we took her up there not knowing anything. All we knew is that medi medicine and medical, the medical establishment could only try to resuscitate her. They didn't have an element of cure or prevention for her. Um, this wasn't something you could take a Benadryl for the way it sort of entered the bloodstream. And um, anyway, the long story short, I, when I saw it happening, basically they, they used a Q-tip with her saliva on it, put it around the rim of her navel to expose her to her own body chemistry, tapped her head, chest, and tummy, 
And while I'm witnessing this, this was long before Google, so I had no idea what it was. And I said, this is either going to be a miracle or this is going to be the biggest scam, but you can't, you know, shame a mother into trying anything to save her child's life because we were told she definitely would not make it till the age of four because the allergies were becoming more and more severe. And luckily for us, it was the miracle we were seeking. And I just knew in that moment in time that I wanted to practice that. Something about it just drew, it was so simple yet so profound. And at the time I was working in the Ministry of Health in the Cayman Islands and um, was basically you know, in a succession planning that it was clear that I would be the head of the ministry one day as a, what they call it, permanent secretary at the time. And now they call them chief officers because um, we are a British overseas territory. So we have some of the same components of government here as in the UK. And um, I gave all of that up and just said, you know what, this is what makes the difference. This is where I can be hands-on and help people change their lives. And it was very new, it was very unusual because it's basically kinesiology, muscle testing, um, just the arm or you know, people have learned to do it with their fingers or different things. But muscle testing, a yes, no technique and tapping the head, chest and tummy to reestablish communication within the body that allows it to communicate and do its own work. So technically, body talk practitioners are seen as restorers of communication rather than healers because we are all healers. We don't have the same skin knee we had at the age of 10. We don't have the same flu or virus we may have caught in high school. Our bodies are programmed to, and designed to heal themselves. And I always tell my clients that, you know, my work is a tool. Medicine is a tool. If you have migraines, take a tablet for it until we can reestablish whatever's going on and get you sort of rid of them for good. But surgery, medical intervention, good nutrition, sleep, hydration, massage, chiropractor, Reiki, any form of intuitive healing are all tools presented to us humans to use at the appropriate time to bring about healing. So that's how I got involved with Body Talk. Um, it is the most amazing practice I've ever come across because when I sit with a client and do their intake form, I ask them everything from head to toe. And it doesn't even matter what I'm asking, but I see them as the whole person. But it is one of the only things I know that allows the innate wisdom of that individual human being to express itself. We're finally asking the source itself, what's wrong with you? What's going on? What's disconnected? So in other words, if the same person was to sit in front of a doctor, a chiropractor, a masseuse, an um, acupuncture um, professional, and give their story, their background of their history and medical intake, basically based on that professional's intake, their, their um, experience and their education, they would prescribe the way forward. With me, it's the opposite. It is that person's innate wisdom saying, this is the way to go. This is the sequence I need you to follow. And we tap out the head, chest, and tummy, which is basically the three brains, and it brings about profound healing within the body. And yes, it takes time, but over the last 20 years, I've worked with extreme allergies. I've worked with um, fertility issues. I've worked with um, autoimmune diseases, anything and everything, including anxiety that can go wrong with the human being. And 
because I personally, and we'll get into this in a moment with the, the narcissistic aspects that we help heal narcissistic abuse recovery. Um, during this time, I was in a very abusive and narcissistic marriage, and I wasn't able to go off and continue on my training after I got certified. I, you know, we didn't have Zoom and things like we do now. And I developed my own protocol out of necessity. So if body talk is like the tree trunk, my work is the branches. So if there's one form of like, say, physical scarring, we would address in body talk. My work has developed 24 other types of scarring, including self-hatred scarring or scarring from physical abuse, like internally or scarring from emotional, financial and, and you know, psychological abuse, energetic scarring, etc. So there's really no part of a human being that body talk and then my work called Empyrean doesn't cover and it just takes some time to sort of unfold and allow the person to heal. So it is quite profound and I just feel like I witness miracles every day. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I mean, I, I wanted to have you on because I remember how I felt after I did a session with you. And I remember noticing how profound the tapping is because I'm familiar with EFT, um, which is emotional freedom technique um, for anyone who doesn't know that. And that is also yes. tapping on specific points. And that's great. I've had a lot of really cool experiences using that. But what you taught me with tapping on the head, the chest and the tummy it was just so profound and I could feel it right away. And then the piece about putting the tissue in your belly button, I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, I get dehydrated quite a bit and I don't really know why because I drink tons of water. So it must be an absorption issue, but you told me to put the wet tissue in my belly button and then do the tapping. I couldn't even believe what happened. My mouth literally started salivating after, after this. And I was like, how does this even work? And then I, I don't feel dehydrated anymore after I do that, as long as I keep doing that. So I, I didn't really understand in the moment when we were doing our session exactly what you were doing. I was just going along with it because I was like, okay, and it felt good. So I, I, I'm curious about what is that? You mentioned that that's what they did with your daughter as well. So can you explain a little bit more about that, the piece about the belly button? How does that all work? Yes, certainly. Actually, it comes from an indigenous type of, I think it comes from the Aborigines originally, where Dr. Veltheim um, has done a lot of study with in all, um, Australia. But funny enough, when I came back from, you know, our trip with Haley, and she was so much better, my neighbor who was from Belize asked me like, oh, you know, what do they do? What, what can you explain the technique to me? And when I told her, she said, oh, well, my grandmother used to do that for us all the time. So apparently it's an old old wives tale you know something like an old indigenous form of healing but what it does is with the saliva part of it it allows the body to like interrupt the almost complacency of the brain the brain is just trying to be efficient and it's like on autopilot and we live in a very toxic world even when we try to be as healthy as possible there are pollutants everywhere there's um, endocrine disruptors the air is polluted and so unfortunately we're always trying to process these toxins and the saliva to the navel draws the immune systems or slash the brain's attention to what is actually going on in the blood chemistry. So with doing saliva to the navel, we were connected to our mothers there. It's a very rich area of nerve endings. Um, and it really draws the, the attention and the focus of the body to what's going on in the blood. So we can work with viruses, which is, is great for prevention and healing of COVID. I'm not saying I have a cure for COVID or preventative. But it is very 
effective in helping build the immune system back up. Um, bacterias, um, pathogens, microbes, allergies, and sensitivities, which is what we use it for for my daughter. Um, we work with pH balance, and I'll get into that a moment with the hydration that, that you did. Um, we work with hormone balancing, metabolic communicators that are locked in from trauma for people who are having difficulty losing weight. We work with um, microbes, pathogens, fungus, anything that can happen in your blood, we can balance through there um, and work with the client to sort of bring about the best health possible. Now getting to the um, hydration thing, I have a lot of people who are technically dehydrated yet they drink more water than anybody I know. But in this day and age of stress and toxins, we become very acidic. We're you know, Western diet eaters. We're not living on kale or seaweed. We have things and components that make our bodies more acidic, thus making our cells a bit more waxy. They have to protect themselves. They don't want to be destroyed in an acidic environment in your body. So they um, actually make themselves covered in like a waxy coating. So they're like sponges with the plastic still on. You know, when you go buy a, a new sponge at the grocery store, it has plastic. So imagine that you only popped a little pinhole in that plastic and tried to use this sponge. It's the same comparison. And when we do the wet tissue to the navel and tap, we're signaling to the body to sort of remove that substance. And for the first time, maybe in ages or in their entire life, they're able to absorb the fluid, the water, the lymphatic fluid, whatever's in their body at a cellular level. And it can create a thirst. It can create hydration on the deepest level. Some people get rid of bloating, but it's a thing that you should do at least once a week or so to make sure that you are absorbing the fluids that you are intaking. So it's actually quite fascinating. It is fascinating. And I've sort of come to my own conclusion that people who, and it, cause it feels true for me, I kept getting drawn to like take electrolytes and I feel that people like healers and people who work with energy, it's like we're burning that up at a faster rate. And like you said, because of all of the toxicity, which includes this digital toxicity that we're all constantly exposed to because we're almost always on phones and laptops, it's almost like that sucks up the hydration of the body. That's sort of a little like download that I got too. So it's, it's very interesting. So it can be difficult to stay hydrated, even when, like you said, people are drinking tons of water and all of this. So yeah, I found that fascinating. My mouth was actually salivating and like the water came in and and I was like, how is this even possible? And I find that even more interesting because the same thing happened when I received, a, it was actually online, but there's a, a healer that I listen to sometimes and he does these live healings. And when he did the healing, he, my mouth started salivating the same. And I shared that with a friend who I was with at the time. And she said, that's actually what they call like, they call it like Amrita in Sanskrit, mm -hmm. which is like the divine nectar. And it yes. starts in the mouth. So that's very interesting too, that it's all sort of interrelated. And I it's love- It's all connected. And it, the energy of it is absolutely beautiful because you're saying like, you just did that online. And the thing is with this, we, we also work, I have clients all over the world and we just hold space. You know, we, I do the muscle testing. I hold that space. I tap in there. I have permission. We're not just tapping into people around the world, but we sit there with each other. There's a given permission and they do the tapping and it takes place. It's like working in the quantum field and just expecting it. You know, I, I, it, they always say, you know, we keep people in our thoughts and prayers. And if someone reached out to me and say, I'm not feeling well, say a prayer or keep me in your thoughts, they're expecting us on some level to hold space for them. And that's how this is able to work energetically 
you know, whether someone is in Australia or someone is in the UK or the States or in Canada with you, it's able, we're able to work on that level. So there's no distance in healing, no distance in prayer. So it makes a huge difference. Oh, it's amazing. I know I love, I have, I explain that to people often because I work with people all over the place as well. And I always explain like energy knows no bounds, like divine energy is everywhere. So, you know, we can be talking right now and we're in two completely different places in the world. I'm in Canada and you're in the Cayman Islands and yet it's, you know, we're still connected. So technology has its upsides too. So I would love to talk more about, um, you touched a bit on the narcissistic piece and the narcissistic views. I'd love to talk about that because it's almost like, narcissism is an epidemic right now like it's just everywhere and so many people are speaking about this because there seems to be like yeah narcissists everywhere so I'd love for you to share a little bit how the work that you does do um, intersects with that thank you very much yes this is a topic that's very dear to my heart because I think that you know we're we're, we're children we grow up and we all have different experiences and it is rare to have someone who is in a completely healthy environment. You know, I love to talk to people who have had really good parents that, I don't know, that are not narcissistic, that have, have given them a very healthy background. And, and I have absolutely, you know, I have not had that, but I have no regrets because I've learned so much from it. But it took me a while to figure out, um, you know, you, you sort of step back from the plate and say, you know, what's going on here? What it, what's happening in my life? I, I found that I had, and it starts out with me dis discovering that I was an empath. And I just know that I always felt horrible. I always felt, you know, like I said, I had narcissistic parents or may have not said that, but I did. And then I was married to a narcissist. So they were quite, all the people that were supposed to quote unquote love me um, were narcissistic and it was a very toxic form of a false love. Of course, they thought they were loving me, but it's control and you could pick up everything, you know? And so we always say there's a relationship between the narcissist and an empath. It's almost like a narcissist can feel the energy of an empath and they have to be fed by them. They have to, they, you know, take their energy, they take their goodness. And if they don't get their way or, you know, you can have someone who's an extreme narcissist who's right out abusive and scary and violent, and you can have someone that's a covert narcissist that is very passive aggressive, like the mother who shames you or makes you feel guilty because you don't have that hour to take her to the grocery store today but you can do it tomorrow, like that sort of stuff. So it can be, there's, there's extremes of it. There's, there's a gamut, there's ranges. So when someone is talking about a narcissist and they're like, no, that person's not a narcissist because they've never hit me. They've never made me feel a certain way. They don't even realize they're actually being manipulated by their, a person because, oh, you know, no, that could never be so. That's my mom or that's my dear dad. But it's like, just step back. We're not trying to name blame and shame here we're trying to get a very clear picture of what we have experienced and you have to live your authentic truth you have to step back and say oh my goodness like my parents were narcissists they did the best they could in, in the situation but i had to own up to that and yes my my husband the person is supposed to love me and protect me is certainly not in that role so i think it was like midway through my practice probably like about 10 to 15 years ago, I realized through just suffering through it that something was wrong um, 
what is this situation that's happening to me? I swear that sometimes I could just be driving along and like see, say a mom walking along the road with her, her child, you know, in a poorer part of town or whatever. And, you know, I always say blessings to people and thank God that, you know, I'm driving, you know, and just always bless people that I see. And it would be, you know, I just drive by, that would be fine. And then the next scenario, same thing, you know, a couple hundred feet up the road, I would feel sometimes um, that I would like lock on, you know, with my eyes to something, a scene, a person. And I would feel at that moment, like I felt every scream of pain and horror on the planet at that moment. And it would be like a, almost like a burst of the sun. It would almost like burn me. I was like, Oh my goodness, what is that? What, what is it? You know? And, um, it wasn't like I was particularly in a bad mood or anything like that, but it, it got more and more intense. And I remember one day I actually was picking up someone from, a, a, we have a cardiac and orthopedic hospital out in the Eastern part of our Island. And, you know, it was a way out of my way. I was trying to go in there to just get through and get back with my day. And I was driving in and I, I basically smiled at a young man. I was going quite slow and he was walking out and I had that happen. Like I could almost feel his pain and suffering as obviously he had finished his work shift for the day. He was a local, you know, going home. And I felt like he was going home to a, a home that was very abusive or very uncomfortable, like almost felt everything. And I basically found myself crying in my car for 20 minutes for nothing. I just drove by a, someone. So it wasn't like someone had upset me. I'd had a bad day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have got to find out what's happening to me. Am I losing my mind? You know, but long story short, when you search, you find, you seek, you find. And the answers were there. I discovered that I was empathic. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. But what in the world can I do? And then a part of me is like, start applying your own methods, your body talk and your Empyrean method. And I did that. And what I did was actually develop a scale. And I feel that we're all supposed to be around 50. Every human being. It doesn't matter if you're a narcissist or not, or an empath, a safe place for us to be able to handle our lives is between 50 and 60. Most empaths are way over a hundred. I also feel, and I must say this, that the people who feel that there is no hope and, you know, either attempt suicide or have completed it are also an extreme form of a narcissist, uh, sorry, an empath, my, my apologies there, they're very empathic. And I feel that they feel so much at that moment that the only thing they can do is end it. And I say this because I know how I felt at that moment. And it's not just a form of depression, because there are a lot of people who are depressed or a lot of people who are in antidepressants. I feel that final thing has to do with being an extreme empath, like maybe an empath who on the scale is up in the thousands. And it's just still early days for me. And, and I, I haven't worked with someone there, but I've worked with people who are up in the high hundreds, like two, three, four, and five. And their lives just feel like they're just walking through mud and they're in pain all the time. And they're, they can't go to the store. It's almost like where agoraphobia comes from when people can't go out. So that being said, I started working with people with bringing them down to 50 and trying to get them to be stable there. So all these empaths, and of course the empaths are the one coming, ones coming to me. And then I realize what's below 50. Those are the narcissists, the psychopaths, the sociopaths. And that kind of got quite interesting. And I found a way that I could work with empaths 
And then because they needed to be healed to their narcissist, try to sort of energetically shift that narcissist through the empath I was working on. So the scale would be completely different. I'd have the narcissist down in the 20s, you know, 22 or something like that, and the empath high up in the hundreds and trying to get them both around 50 was absolutely amazing and extremely life-changing for both of them. So that has been, you know, I've done so much work with different things, but when I work with the narcissist slash empath um, relationship and you see the feedback and you hear the feedback saying, oh my gosh, like my husband is a different person. Um, I had someone whose relative was actually their boss at the same time and it was a complicated relationship and that they were so narcissistic. And this person did a complete turnaround and was treating the, um, the empath so much better. So if we see ourselves on these scales and think of 50 degrees, 50 degrees is a very, I would say, comfortable temperature. It's not snowing. We're not freezing to death and we're not too hot. But if you think of someone at 200 deg degrees or even 107, that's hot. And you bring them down to 50. It allows them to cool off. It allows them to rebuild their body protective energy and Y chi and just get their thoughts together. So that's the work that has been very pivotal for me um, to allow people, including myself, because sometimes I have to catch myself. I haven't checked my own empathic transfer scale for weeks, and then everything's getting to me. I'm always anxious. I'm in a bad mood. I don't have any patience, and I just feel like crying, and I feel that everybody's pain is just attacking me, and I wait, wait a minute. You know, here I am up in the hundreds, and that's another thing, the self-care and self-love is the number one thing. And that's why I thank you for doing your voice for love because we have to have the love. And if we don't have love for ourselves, we don't know how to love other people. And why your, your podcast is so important, it's teaching people about you know people that can bring help and healing to them. But to take that step to contact any of these people or even you is an act of self-care and self-love that I feel everyone who's an empath and a narcissist need to sort of go forward to and create that energy of love. Wow. That's fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. There's so much there, including, <laughs> I'm curious, like, did, so in the case of the, like the friend relative boss situation, was it that individual who came to you for work or was it the, someone close to them and were that's the part I'm not clear about. Were you able to affect the narcissist behavior just by working with the empath? Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. The empath came to me and they were, they were suffering greatly with this person um, because it was like an in-law situation. Um, they, the, um, so the person, you know, just couldn't like quit or whatever without causing problems in the family. And they, she didn't want to go to the, the person that was married to the narcissist and say like, oh my gosh, this person is making my life horrible at work and still being mean to you at home. It's like it, she was like victim to this person personally and professionally. And it was, she couldn't get a break from it. And we did a lot of work and she was extremely empathic. And we started to get her scale to be stable around 50 or 60. And um, as when she came in, she was probably close to 300, you know, which makes you extremely sensitive and you feel everything. And when we knew it, it sort of came up. And when I say it came up, we, we muscle test. That is our communication. We don't force these things. They come up as priority. 
and we were able to sort of tap into that energy and do some energetic shifting and whole space for this person. And it was just very profound. He did become kinder. He became, he was more apologetic and he was more catching of his behavior. Like I lost my temper. I'm so sorry. And people are going, Oh my gosh, who is this person? You know? And I was like, yeah, we can affect change. And we were not doing it through a thing of, you know, this person's a jerk. We need to deal with him. We were doing like, you know, this person needs love. You know, this person is this way because they had a narcissistic parent and I'm, I'm lucky. You know, I was surrounded by narcissists. I could have very well gone that way. I could have been the bully, the abuser, the person that makes the other person feel small and controlling and that sort of stuff. And I think I was a bit narcissistic in my earlier years just to survive. But of course, it went the other way, thankfully. And now hopefully I'm right in the middle at 50 most of the time and just hold that space for healing. Oh, I can I can so relate to so much of this because um, I've kind of gotten it under control now, although I have my, my days, but that's been a huge part of my journey was not understanding that I was an empath and then picking up on everybody's stuff, being so overwhelmed by feelings. Like you said, like I've spent most of my life, like not wanting to be here and wanting to die and being suicidal and all of this stuff because I was so overwhelmed. And it was only when my son was born that that really stopped. Cause I'm like, well, I can't go anywhere now because I have a child to take care of, but it is. And I used to always wonder like, where did these feelings come from? And then when I started to learn about empathy and understand that I was picking up on everybody's stuff and my whole life. And I have a, a, a experience I remember very vividly as a child, similar to your story with crying in the car with the boy that you picked up on. I remember seeing this elderly woman when I was a child sitting by herself, eating an ice cream sundae in the restaurant that I was at with my family. And I just wanted to cry and sob when I saw her and I couldn't stop thinking about her afterwards because I literally felt her despair that was coming off of her and her loneliness and her sadness. And that was probably like, I could even cry just thinking about it right now, but it's, um, it was very hard. So I think a lot of people are, are like this. And I love that you're giving some options because a lot of people will say that narcissists can't be healed. And I always say, no, 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 let's please not say this because that's so limiting in our language and everything can be healed and anything can be healed. And if not completely, totally, at least, you know, we can make improvements, you know, we can, we can make changes. I don't want to ever limit anyone or anything by saying it can't be healed. So I love that you're actually you know, have some ways to shift these types of people because a lot of times people believe that these types of traits can't be changed. I honestly was of that belief. And it's almost like you write people off. And I always feel that at some time we're all the empath or the narcissist or, you know, past life was very narcissistic or whatever. So we don't know what we did them at some, you know, it, it's such a gray area that we can't just condemn someone. And this is a huge belief system change for me from when I was, um, when I was younger, because I could easily just go like, no, no, you're just worthless or whatever, because I was so hurt by the things that were around me. But now that again, you step aside and you look and you observe and you see that these are hurting people and these are their coping mechanisms. And sometimes you can make a shift. Sometimes you can make a profound shift with these narcissists. And just sometimes you can't. Every situation is different. But it is something that we can try to work with. We can try to bring hope to the situation. And, you know, I always think about this, this lovely young lady um, that I worked with here in Cayman. Um, 
she was very empathic. And this is when I was studying this thing and trying to put the, 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 the points together to make a picture for myself to see what this was I had discovered. I knew I discovered something, but I didn't know what it was. And she spoke about a sister that she had that um, was living in LA. And to look at her life on the outside, it was the dream. Like she was originally overweight and had, you know, started working out with a personal trainer, got fit and um, just loved working out and being healthy so much that she opened her own gym and it was a huge success in Los Angeles and everything was going great. She was healthy. She was fit. She was loving life. She had money and she did commit suicide. And I asked my friend, I said, tell me a bit about your sister. If you don't mind, you know, we can honor her memory by trying to figure out some stuff. I said, was she extremely sensitive? And she said, Oh my goodness. Yes. She said, we'd be sitting having coffee and she'd have her back to the door and turn around and she could just feel these people. She goes, Oh my gosh, that poor man. Do you not feel that? And she just said that she felt her sister was tormented. She was so highly empathic that she could just feel everything. You know, there's, you know, homelessness in different areas, but LA has its share of, you know, people who are quite, you know, under a lot of suffering. And when she sort of, you know, pointed that out, it was like her sister was just too overwhelmed to continue the, um, the journey, so to speak. And I think if we can at least shed some light on this, that to let people know you're empathic, you're not crazy, you're not losing your mind. It's like you are the filter, like you walk into the store and you become the filter for everybody's emotion, everybody's anger, everybody's anxiety. And I talked to my clients, I said, do you walk into a store in a great mood and walk out anxious or angry or sad? And they're like, yeah. I said, you know, that's being an empath because they don't even understand what being an empath is, but it will help people to, you know, if we can't get the word out to understand, I am not crazy. And no, you don't have to end your life. There is a definition and there's a certain dynamic and you can work with it. And I'm not saying that my work is the hero all end all like, Oh, I do the scale. They're different things because people are healing, self healing all the time, you know, taking some time to use more, energy of protection or if you know if someone prays to pray for themselves and that's where you really put yourself first when you start thinking about your own safety your own protection praying for yourself doing things that that cleanse your body if you you know take a, a bath or go to the sea or swim but that moment to just sort of recalibrate that can you know change your empathic transfer scale it's not just this work alone it's working with you or other people but it's taken that time for yourself that you're making that step forward to say, I am making this step to take care of me. That alone shifts a lot in your um, empathic sensitivity. Absolutely. Yeah. And just even having the knowledge and awareness, like you said, is, is huge because then when you start to understand like, oh, this isn't my stuff. So one of the the things I do almost every day is I like literally just send everything back to where it belongs. I send back everyone's projections. I send back everything. And then I take back what's mine because who knows what I'm like subconsciously sending out through the day too. But, and sometimes often I'll feel this immediate shift of like, Oh, like that wasn't even my stuff. Like, you know, exactly. It can, yeah. Yeah. 
It's really heavy. And I do think actually going back to what you said a moment ago, I do think there is some crossover between the narcissist and the empath. And I found that in my own journey of dissecting and it wasn't the easiest thing to look at, but you know, for me too, being surrounded by some, you know, narcissistic people growing up and then having so many narcissists around me, like I say now, like I feel like I have a PhD in narcology because of all of this and each, all the different kinds, like there's like malignant narcissists, covert narcissists. And sometimes the covert ones actually are a little bit more um, complex to deal with because at least a malignant one or a really obvious one is right in your face. You can see, you know, it's more clear for you to see what they're doing, but the passive aggressive ones are a little bit, it can be really tricky. And I think, um, again, a lot of people were dealing with these types of things in different ways. And I feel that, you know, society and social media and all these things are making people a little bit more narcissistic in a lot of ways. It's, it's very interesting. So we all have some aspect of that sort of inner narcissist. And I had to look at that too and see. And for me, the parts of me that were sort of narcissistic were like, it was like an addiction to drama. So that's why I kept getting involved with these narcissistic people because that was my own, you know, addiction to drama a little bit there. And then I actually know people, curiously enough, that are both empaths and narcissists. They're both. And it's very yes. interesting to watch them because they're, they're, they are people who have had a lot of run-ins with people who are more narcissistic than them. They are also empathic but yet they're also narcissistic. So I'm not sure if you have any input on that, but I've been seeing that more and more. I see, I'll see somebody and I'm like, oh, they're both, they're, they're empathic and narcissistic. So is that something that we all have within us? Or like, why do you, why do you think that that sort of crossover is there? I definitely think so, because I know that at some point, I'm sure that I was perceived as narcissistic. And I feel that that, that crossover effect, like people are actually whether or not they're, they're consciously doing it, like they're using what, they, what personality they need to survive at that moment. So maybe they're an empath at work and a narcissist at home and vice versa. And it's almost like they're a chameleon. So they just take on whatever they need to do to survive or blend in or, or play the opposite effect. And their, their energy dynamics are a little bit more complicated. I think I need to study that a bit more and study those situations. Because it's like, where would they be at the scale? It's like they're fluctuating constantly. They may go down to a 20 at work and then go up to a 90 at home. And then they're just too touchy. And those can be people who are employing different coping mechanisms. And the thing is, too, with narcissists, you got to look at what the core of a person is. What is their core? If someone at their core is a loving and giving person, they can flip flop about and just use it as a coping technique because maybe I had to be narcissistic to survive with my ex-husband and maybe mm -hmm. I needed to be empathic to let a really manipulative malignant narcissist like not kill me or something, you know, or just to keep the peace. So there could be say, for instance, um, a certain person in a, in a marriage and she is narcissistic at work because she is letting out her, frustrations of what she's facing at home but at home she's very empathic because she's trying to be safe and keep the peace in her home although it's always a volatile piece i call it a false peace with this narcissist to keep her children safe or whatever so there's different things you'll have people that are are miserable because of their home life and they come across as narcissistic in public but at home they're very timid because they're scared and I feel that you do have some people, um, God bless them, who are very toxic and they enjoy cruelty. 
they actually enjoy like that is their happiness and those are the people that you probably can't affect too much like i know that there are people who are cruel and abusive and they just hate themselves after like they can't believe they did it again or they yelled at their children or they abused their wife or their spouse or whatever um and they have like genuine sorrow and you know they're very uh, apologetic about it but there are people that they do that and they are happy and you deserved it. And those are the ones you really have to be careful with. And at that point that you could almost say that there's no hope. So again, there's as many different forms of narcissists and empaths as there are people, but I feel it's like a chameleon effect or a coping mechanism that they fit the game or so to speak, play the game to wherever they happen to be in the environment of their lives at that moment. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that was actually a, I sort of got into that with two different sort of, you know, healer types recently of people. And I will say this too, like everybody is doing the best they can. Now that is true for most people, but I maybe like you too have also had run-ins with people that got off on being cruel. They were not doing the best that they could. They were legit. They had awareness to do better and they continue to choose over and over again for whatever reason. So that to me is not somebody who is, who is doing their best. And I think it's a very small percentage of people who are like that. Luckily, I think most people, like you said, they do have a lot of sorrow or they have a lot of regret after they exhibit some of these shadow behaviors. But um, yeah, thank you for saying that because it's, I mean, there's just so many types, different types of humans, but where I feel this sort of becomes useful. And right now, I think I'm going to start talking about this a little bit more. I know, you know, we all get, neither of us are American necessarily, although you did just tell me that you were born in America, <laughs> but you know, yes. what's going on in America right now, I feel like it's like this teaching for the rest of the world, you know, and this is why everybody is so riveted by it. And I feel like there's a lot of gems there for learning that if we can grasp some of this, then maybe we won't have to go through this on a world scale. And, you know, it's very obvious that a lot of our world leaders are narcissists, you know, it's very obvious. And so the reason why sometimes people don't see this is because we are under the control and the guise and all of these systems that we're living in have been created by people who are narcissistic, sociopathic, and psychopathic. So the more that we start to understand these behaviors, I feel then we can really start to make shifts on a global scale. So I, like you, I'm very grateful for all of my run-ins I've had with these types of people, because although it was very challenging and difficult. And now I know to sort of stay away. I've, I've learned enough. I'm like, thank you. I've had enough firsthand learning. <laughs> Thanks for that. I'm done. And yet now I have this understanding that I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. So I feel it's very important that we understand this because if we can kind of put people into key positions of power that are empathic, I mean, my goodness, what would, what would the world look like then? It would be absolutely amazing. And I think um, what's happening in the United States is very pivotal. And I remember I did some work yesterday um, with a client that, you know, my, my sessions are different for different people. If someone is at a very basic level of understanding of healing, we're going to do some basic work till we build up. But I work with someone who's a very powerful healer herself. And we can hold space. We hold space with the planet. We hold space for humanity, compassion, and so forth. And we were doing some of that work yesterday with like the shift that was happening in Washington, DC. And the thing is with narcissists, they want to keep the old guard. It's a thing of control. That's really what they insist upon. And the government is the best place for them. They just love it. They can make rules and make people suffer. 
and it's their way or the highway kind of thing. So it's a playground for narcissists. And, you know, we just have to be so grateful for all the people who, you know, sacrifice themselves, their lives, their convenience for to make such so many changes that have happened in 2020. And, you know, I'm not one of those. I, I think, I like to think I'm independently thinking, but there's, there's no, I'm not like if I was an American, like would probably be belonging to a party, but we're all so grateful for the shift that happened yesterday and the, the hope it brings to so many people, you know, and the sim symbolism, like, even like you said, if we don't agree, we're not going to get violent about it. We're not going to say, we're going to talk about it. And, you know, I really, I'm so grateful that, you know, we live in a time where, you know, my daughter can see that I have stood up to narcissists and gotten out of very toxic situations. And she can see that there's, a, you know, this beautiful vice president, that there's hope that, you know, women can sort of start taking, you know, taking the reins. And, and it's not even, yes, being empathic is, is important, but I feel that there's something about the feminine, the divine feminine energy that has more wisdom that brings to the table of ruling and we have been ruled by the divine masculine for you know eternity and a day and really where has it gotten us and i feel that if things can start shifting more in that nature and more good-hearted feminine energy comes into the um the forefront of leadership that that compassion and that empathy and the ability to feel the suffering and yes, we hope we have more empathic men out there, so to speak. But it's that ability to not just look at poverty and just write a check for it. It is to feel that suffering on that level that it genuinely affects your heart and brings a tear to your eye that you go, I feel that I, I need to do something. I need to do something for that animal that's suffering. I need to do, I need to do something. That's where the power of the empath is. Because, you know, you can look at someone get slapped and go, oh, well, that looks uncomfortable or that looks painful. But until you're slapped in the face, you don't know what it feels like. But an empath can actually feel that. And I think feeling that suffering, even from animals, even from children, even from the disadvantaged, is where the power of having an empathic quality comes from. And unfortunately, I really do think, and I'm not trying to get into the, you know, male-female dynamic or, or argument, but a lot of the the extreme impasse that I know are females and I could be wrong in different areas but um, I feel that ability to have that nurturing feeling for the world and how it works out best for everybody without trying to disempower you but benefit me it's it would be very beneficial to have more empaths in government and that's something that healers and light workers can probably hold space for and pray for or set intentions and manifest manifestations for yeah absolutely and the thing is is that a lot of creatives and healers and empaths like are not necessarily drawn to work in government you know even you know people have asked oprah to run for 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 president for years and she's like nah like you know and of course she has a lot of power in the place that she sits in already but i don't think that a lot of us are necessarily drawn to that but i i think there are a lot more empathic men than we know but the thing is is that they haven't been taught from such a young age that it is okay for them to feel 
their feelings. I mean, I have a good friend who's very sort of, you know, macho in his own way. And when we hang out with my son, he'll like, if my son cries, he's like, don't cry, be a man. And I said, stop saying that to him. I don't want him growing up with this toxic masculinity. Like if he wants to cry, he can cry. Like I want him to learn to express because I know a lot of men, particularly men who are water signs, who are very empathic and very feeling, but they have a hard time with it sometimes because they actually feel things so deeply and because they don't have the, I don't know, I think they maybe don't have the same natural capacity for feeling that we do or because they've been taught or maybe their mind gets in the way. They actually have a very hard time navigating their way in the world too because they feel so many things and don't understand what they're feeling. So I hope also and always, you know, encourage men to really allow themselves to feel their feelings and get in touch with it there. But absolutely, I feel that in general, yes, women are more intuitive. And I saw this great quote, I think I posted it a couple of weeks ago, actually, it was about a mother's heart, and basically how anyone can have a mother's heart, male, female, transgendered, anyone, whether you have a child or not, but it is a mother's heart that is what's going to save the world. Because even like your story, exactly. your, your whole journey came out of like care for your child. And I don't know how many people I know that have had some sort of incredible epiphany or their entire life's work changed because of an experience that affected your child. Because once you're a mother and you have a child, and I mean, I thought I was empathic and I felt love before I had a child. Holy moly. And then it like, like that has almost been too much for me too, because I will like, lie in bed at night crying about the children of the world and like god please like i just want to help the children because i look at my son and i see him and i just think the thought of anyone ever harming a child just hurts me so much i always felt that way but ever since having a child it like magnified times a gazillion like i can almost like tear up talking about it right now yes. so it is very hard and i think it's very important because i think a lot of people who have important gifts and who have important messages to share right now on the planet and whose energy and vibration is needed, they're actually not able to manage the world because their level of sensitivity just makes them want to, like you said, like they want to run away and hide in a cave or they don't want to talk to anyone or they don't want to post on social media because I used to have this, like I've kind of gotten over it now, like last year, especially, but like I would even go to post and I would get this whole like rush of everything, everybody's reaction to what I say before I even say it and then I'm like well I don't want to do this like I'm already yes. dealing I'm already dealing with enough stuff here just even when I'm sitting here I can be it's 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 so intense and overwhelming so I'm so glad to have you here and I hope that you know maybe some people listening if they if they feel that they need the services that you have because I think it's really important that there's a lot of us here that are meant to be doing you know we are meant to show up in the world with our contributions and I know that some empathic people are just not able to always make that happen because of the sensitivity it's it's like you just get stuck and thank you for saying that it's just it can make you be stuck like you can't move because it's so heavy what you're feeling and i'd just like to say to anyone but especially empaths like a great exercise to do without even having to sort of get help is is um i had a friend um my friend tamsin who is an amazing amazing um reiki practitioner and healer and her she's definitely a you know just someone who has changed my life so much and i'm so grateful to her and she was in a situation where she just said to me something so simple and she goes this happened and i just felt like i really needed to take my power back and that was the most profound thing that i've ever heard and it has cracked my business wide open and i'm working with clients and i'm making them say I take my power back from narcissists. I take my power back from my husband or my wife or my parents or my child, because sometimes we can be disempowered by how much we love our child before we know it. We're 
you know, it's, we've lost ourselves. And I want everyone to know that they can take their power back from anyone, anything, a concept such as injustice or prejudice, regret, shame, guilt. It is so powerful for you to say, I take my power back from. I take my power back from being an, an empath and being too high on the empathic scale. You don't need to know what you are. But just saying that, it increases your vibration, I swear, like by 10, 10% each time you say that. And you become more powerful. So there are easy ways to, to, to empower yourself. But if you just say, I take my power back from a conversation, a teacher, an actual location. If there is a house that where you suffered abuse as a child or as an adult in a bad relationship, take your power back from that room, from the food you were eating, whatever it is. Take your power back from being overweight. That is the number one thing I'd love to part with here that people can just say that, do that, take their power back from politics and the abuse of power, whatever it is you feel. And it's going to be a lifelong um, conversation in your head because there's going to be things every day that you need to take your power back from. So if everyone will practice that, it will change the whole dimension of the planet and just put the people who need power back into more power. <laughs> Amen. I love that. And I, and I will attest to that actually, after I had a session with you, um, that is, you, we, we did that and you did that with me. And I remember, I think I was able to lay down for a bit afterwards and I just, and I, and I felt so full because I felt so much come back to me because I think also what empathic people do is then like, we feel like we don't fit in, we feel weird. And then we do, we start giving our power away everywhere in, in an attempt to either fit in somewhere or get some type of validation or something. And then that just ends up scattering things even more. So yes, I take my power back. <laughs> take yes. <the> power back. <laughs> I love Look that. that. that is, it is so powerful. And, and, and especially when you say it out loud, that is, literally using the power of the word. So I think that's a beautiful place to just complete with here today. So can you please tell everyone where can they find you and learn more about you and your wonderful work? Well, thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me and for the space that you hold every time you do one of these podcasts. It really is a voice for love and just spreading it out there. Even, even for the people who don't hear it, it's doing something for their frequency. So I, so I just wanted to confirm that for you. But um, I can be found on bodytalksystem.com. And if you look under, it has location. I'm in the Cayman Islands. That's my, con my bio page is there. Um, otherwise, on Instagram, I'm at empyrean.wellness. And um, I can, we'll put some things up on Instagram or whatever. But if they look up the Body Talk system and they can just um, look up my name, Stephanie Watler Grizel or Cayman Islands, they'll have all the information they need. And I am available to work with clients all over the world and just help take the power back and help the empaths to cope with this difficult world that can be a little bit softer if they're not so sensitive to it. Oh, people, I can, I can feel people <laughs> everywhere going like, oh, like really, there's hope for me. And just really quickly too, I know that, um, I don't think you mentioned you were going to tell us the story or you're going to tell me anyway, what is the story behind the name Empyrean Wellness? Empyrean. Wow. I don't know. I was originally called, my business was called Cayman Body Talk Services. It was just as plain as it can be. And then somewhere like about 10 years ago, I kept hearing this word in my mind, Empyrean. And I'm like, what is that? And I looked it up. It just literally came to me. And it actually means the highest heaven, the highest point of enlightenment. And um, 
I, I, um, I sort of played around with it for a while and I emailed the people who have the, you know, the business license department. And I said, you know, how much does it cost to change your name? And I, this, this happened after I found a book that had the word Imperium. So I changed my business name like in 30 seconds from Cayman Body Talk Services to Imperium. And I felt like the whole thing sort of shift open. But there was a part of me a couple of years ago that wanted to give this all up. I didn't want to hear another person's problem. I didn't want to hear, I guess I was too empathic at that moment. It's probably at 9,000 on the scale. And I was in the UK with my daughter where she went to university of their university of Salford. And um, I wanted to do something like train people and to use skincare. So like, like work for Clarins or Elemis or something and just travel the world doing training at counters because that would just be fun and just I couldn't wouldn't be stressed. And we went to a bookstore and you know those little writing books and actually since you can see me I found this book. It was just and my daughter said, "Mom, you need a book to put your writing in." Like all of your Empyrean wellness because I have written my own protocol. And I like butterflies because they, you know, they're a symbol of transformation. There were flowers and I kept going towards the silver book and I'm like, what is this? And when I just knew it was my book, and I said, let me see what the artwork is on this. And I turned to the back page, and it was, um, it was called Empyrean. Wow. And I was, I dropped the book. I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I have to stay in this crazy business after, after all, you know. But yeah, it's, a, it's the Dante's Inferno. Um, it's actually Empyrean. Dante and Beatrice look into the Empyrean. And um, I just picked it up. It was fascinating. It's a beautiful silver book. And people can look at it on Pinterest, Empyrean. And that was the name of my business. But of all the thousands of little writing books in that, that store, I went to the only one that was silver. And it was my book. It was called Empyrean. And that's where I have all of my protocol written, which I have hoped to be teaching in a couple of years. Amazing. Uh, yeah, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to get out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's like a divine healer. And when she's, you know, upset about things, she's like, I, 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 I always giggle with her because I say it's like a throwing a tantrum to God. She's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm like, you don't get an out. Like, <laughs> no, I've said that many times. I quit. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I know this is that's another whole episode when being a healer isn't fun, you know, <laughs> or when being when being in the, the building in the yeah, it's not always a walk in the park. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much thank you I, I look forward to doing more work with you and I'm sure I, I'm sure a lot of people will benefit from even just what you shared here today I think even just for empathic people to know that for the, just the understanding piece if you start to understand what's going on then from there there's so many different choices and options of how you can start to deal with it and you have actual tools so I'm, I'm very curious now I'm like where am I at on that scale but I think it changes from day to day because it's true it does change yeah it does fluctuate because you can actually do something that's very healing or you take a vacation and get away from people it will go down automatically but sometimes people just need help and so if anything they take away that yes they're not you know anything unusual they're empathic that's all that's so to speak wrong with them and take their power back if they just take those two things away it will be so healing to many people oh thank you so much thank you so much thank for you for having today. me thank I you stephanie so appreciate it okay thank everyone you. stephanie Wattler. Okay. Grizel, I want to say your yes. name one more time and tell everyone one more time where they can find you, your website. Um, it's bodytalksystem.com and I'm listed under Cayman Islands or Stephanie Watler Grizel. 
And otherwise, I'm on Instagram at Empyrean, that's E-M-P-Y-R-E-A-N dot wellness. And look forward to meeting some of you. Yes, I, I think I have a feeling some people are going to be really happy that you <laughs> that they got to hear you today. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Stephanie. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, bye. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.